Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast for this week. Uh, every week we have in-person church. We record a podcast-only version of the Sunday Sermon. And uh, this is um, especially for you, whether you're out jogging, driving, whatever you're doing. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And uh, the Lord has put on my heart to teach on some difficult topics over the coming weeks. And I'm partly excited, also partly terrified. In fact, we started a new series last week that we're calling Elephants in the Room. And this you've definitely heard that term before, and it refers to topics or problems or people that are so obvious, yet no one wants to address it. Uh, and there are a number of hot topics that we don't talk about a lot in church, like suffering and end times and politics. And it's funny how we could be in church for many years, even decades, and never hear a teaching on any of those topics. And now why is that? Well, that's because it's difficult. It's not popular. There are varying conclusions on all of them, and it can be very divisive. And I think a big reason, particularly in our type of church, is people prefer feel-good sermons. Uh, and But I genuinely believe that we can find hope in the midst of difficult topics. In fact, God's Word is filled with examples to help us navigate difficult terrain in life. So last week, we started by setting some ground rules, because we don't want to just open up cans of worms and cause division and arguments. We called them our five rules for wrestling an elephant. So we want to remind us every week of what those are. And they are, number one, we always point to Jesus. Number two, we don't aim to just be right, we aim to love. In fact, after church last week, I got a text from a friend in the church who reminded me of that saying, you know, don't aim to win the argument, win the person. I think that's really, really important. Number three is trust God and learn to live with tension. You know, there are things in life that uh, where there's tension, you know, between what we experience and what we see in God's word, but we need to trust God in the midst of those when we don't have it all figured out just yet. Number four is don't be lazy. Like if you find a topic here that you're really passionate about or you, you want to find answers and go and study, study in the right place, study uh, good scholarly resources and, and find out because, you know, that whole like, oh, I read a tweet about it or, or I watched a two minute video and now I'm an expert. That's just not the approach we want to have with these difficult elephants in the room. And number five is don't do it alone or just on YouTube. Uh, so, you know, we've seen countless people get caught down a YouTube rabbit hole listening to people f- with uh, all sorts of opinions that are misinformed. You know, we want to go to good, godly, uh, scholarly resources about these type of topics. And also, don't neglect the people who love you and who are doing life with you. We all live in a context, right? And, uh, the, you know, hiding in our office watching videos, reading articles is not necessarily how the Lord wants you to live out your life with others, right? Others are there to help you. So if you missed part one, make sure you listen to it. Uh, And our first elephant in the room is the big topic of suffering and evil. Here we go. We are all well aware of the suffering and evil in the world. Horrific suffering. Unspeakable evil. How then can anyone believe in the existence of an all-loving, all-powerful God? And if God does exist, why would anyone want to worship Him? That's just a short audio clip from 
a very good, trusted, scholarly resource in reasonablefaith.org. That's Dr. William Lane Craig. And they have a series of videos about uh, the problem of suffering and evil. It's a great resource. I encourage you to check it out. You can actually find that on YouTube. That's a recommended resource on YouTube, a trusted one, not just some random dude in his parents' basement. But suffering and evil, that's a big elephant. Why is there suffering and evil? A question that every person has asked, and it's important. It's an important question. And for all of us, in some way, uh, we've experienced suffering. And if you haven't yet, you will one day, because we are all going to die one day. Uh, and all of us have witnessed or learned through history about evil. And within this question of, like, why is there suffering and evil, I, I believe there's two separate questions in there. One is the intellectual question, which that... The, that audio from um, the Reasonable Faith video refers to, the, the intellectual question of suffering and evil. But also there's the emotional question. Like the intellectual question has answers like, you know, God has an overall plan that he will bring about good, fr- even from the bad things that he allows to happen right now, that God's plan involves free will, your ability to choose and make choices, and allowing his creatures to have free will, yet not allowing Suffering is logically impossible. It's not free will if there's no consequences of that free will. And our earthly suffering is temporary. So these are the answers that we have as Christians to the intellectual question of suffering. But the problem here is that most people who hear these intellectual answers, uh, they, they walk away completely dissatisfied. That's because what they're really asking is the emotional question of suffering, which has in some ways, a completely different answer. And the emotional answer to suffering for Christians is to trust the Lord. Uh, And if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this today, well, you're kind of left to figure it out on your own in some some ways, but that's the best answer we can give. It's like what Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, verse 1. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. So we have trouble sometimes with what is happening in life, what we see. Well, that's where we have to lean on who God is, who he is. And this isn't just blind faith. We have great reason to trust in the Lord in the midst of suffering. I think it's important to remember uh, uh, these things because often when people ask the intellectual question, what they're really struggling with is the emotional one. We don't really ask a lot about suffering until we are experiencing it or we're seeing it, right? So which means the emotional side of things is rearing its head, which it's not uh, the emotional question is still very valid. It's still very important. Now, just to point something out, Christianity has answers to both the emotional and the intellectual problems of suffering and evil. Now, the alternatives, which are usually things like a self-made religion or a mix of a bunch of wishy-washy beliefs that are superstitious or or even an atheistic belief, uh, they don't have an answer. You may say, oh, I don't believe in the Christian God because of suffering and evil. Well, you still have the problem of suffering and evil, but you have no answer for it. In fact, if God didn't exist, we would, and we were just like an evolutionary result like that just kind of happened to be here, uh, why do we even care? about suffering. I mean, outside of not wanting to feel pain, uh, there really isn't any purpose to not suffer. Uh, I'm just here by accident to experience the the most pleasure and the least amount of pain, right? Uh, but as Christians, we have a purpose. 
Okay, and that purpose is to know God, to know our Creator, both now and for eternity, to know Him. And when that is our end goal, our purpose for life, to know our Creator, that radically changes how we experience and endure suffering. Now, we often want relief from pain right now and suffering right now and evil right now, but sometimes that's not God's plan. You know, God never promised us no suffering. In fact, it's quite the opposite. He, he, he says you will have tough times in your life on earth. There's evil on the earth. But his overall plan is that this will end in the end. Okay? Uh, and it just may not be on your timeline. Uh, some Christians have strong faith until they wake up with a really bad flu or they get a bad diagnosis from a doctor, or they go through a real troubling time, and they say, where is God? Why, God, why? Uh, Why is my faith so weak? And that often is the emotional uh, questions rearing their head. And suffering really does reveal our character more than pretty much anything in our life, just being honest. like uh, It's in times of, of, of suffering and trial and difficulty that we really see who we really are. Uh, it's like that guy who wants to stop swearing until he stubs his toe on the bedpost, right? And then you start hearing all the all the, the, the truth comes out from deep inside of him, right? Now, there are different types of suffering. There's suffering that happens naturally that we see in nature. We see the, the temporal nature of creation wasting away, even in, in the cosmos, the stars that are burning out and exploding, all that kind of stuff. We, there's suffering that happens because of me, uh, there's the consequences of the choices I make, uh, suffering that I can inflict on another person even. Uh, th- there's suffering that happens to me and others, seemingly random, sometimes at the hand of other people's evil or mistakes or unprovoked health issues, things like that. We know that there is even an element of pain and suffering that uh, we endure for a future benefit, things like childbirth or teething even or growth pains. And often, pain is an indicator of something wrong. Uh, Without pain and suffering, we wouldn't know to fix something emotionally or even seek medical help. So we see that there are sometimes general benefits for pain and suffering. Uh, But this question still remains, why? Why is there suffering and evil? Well, there are various answers to that question. We're, t- we're, re- we're wrestling an elephant today, a huge one that no one really wants to talk about. And we've mentioned some of them already that, about the intellectual uh, answers, the emotional answers. But if I was to give a big, broad answer at the risk of dismissing people's emotional responses and unique situations, I would say God sees it best fit to include suffering in his design for creation. And he has a greater good to achieve on the other side of it. So if God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-loving, and there was another option, I'm sure he would have taken it, right? And on top of that, and I think I find great comfort in this, that God himself takes part in suffering through Christ. So this isn't something that he just throws on us. No, he himself has endured suffering. So this is something for everyone that (laughs) affects everyone, including God, who has partaken in suffering. So it's in some ways, it's futile to argue with the Creator about this, and and this is where trust takes place. So let's remember, and this is a very big point that I want to I want us to take comfort in today, and that is what we are experiencing right now 
isn't all of God's creation. What we are experiencing in this moment isn't everything that God has created. For those who are in Christ, we believe that there is more of God's creation to experience beyond this life. We have an eternity to live without suffering. It's like that, you know, if I was to draw on, I used to do this in high school scripture, I'd draw a little line on the board that was maybe a couple centimeters long, and I would say, hey, that represents your 70, 80 years, 90 years on this earth. And then if we were to draw a line underneath it that represents eternity, that line would just continue infinitely forever, right? So let me show you something really cool in Scripture. In the creation account in Genesis, we read about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and it describes the garden. It says in chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 8 and 9, it says, Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made, Verse 9 says, Then the Lord made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, the trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there are two trees there, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we all know the story. They disobeyed God. They ate the fruit from the wrong tree. And we don't know what would have happened if they didn't eat that fruit, but... but, but, If we fast forward after the cross, after the resurrection, all the way to the end times, to the the very last chapter in the Bible, in Revelation chapter 22, we read a prophetic description of heaven. And look look at how heaven is described here. And and obviously it's, it's, um, it's prophetic language and things like that. But Revelation 22, verse 1 to 3, it says, Then the angel showed me a river, with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. That's Jesus. Verse 2 says, It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and His servants will worship Him. Now, did you notice the difference between Eden and heaven? Well, in Eden, there was a tree of life and a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In heaven, there is only trees of life. So what does that mean? Well, to those who belong to Jesus, who enter eternity in heaven with him, we look forward to living in a place where we only eat from the tree of life. No more suffering. No more pain. No more evil. Evil will end in Jesus' name. And this is a radically different way of viewing suffering on earth, right? That, it, that there's a temporal nature to it. So with that in mind, I want to quickly give us four ways that a Christian should view suffering and evil. And we find them in 1 Peter chapter 4. Now, Peter, who followed Jesus, who walked with him, he says this in 1 Peter 4, verse 1 to 3. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, You must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Now, very encouraging verses, right? (laughs) But in these verses, we and a few more beyond that we'll read in a moment, uh, we see some principles for how a Christian should view and endure suffering. And these are modeled after how Jesus viewed and endured suffering. So a mature Christian should view suffering as number one, fleeting. Okay, now they all start with F, all right? Fleeting. It's temporary. 
It says, have the same attitude as Jesus. Now, Jesus endured temporal suffering for a greater good. In Hebrews 12, 2, it talks about this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Jesus knew his suffering was temporal, and he endured it. And he endured it knowing there was a greater good on the other side. So also, Jesus preached about suffering all the time. I mean, look at the Beatitudes. I'm not going to read them all uh, right now. They're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 to 10. But uh, lots of them are appeals to those who are in the midst of suffering. And, And to be encouraged that, hey, this is temporal. In the light of our eternal glory in Jesus, all suffering, whether by my hand or by nature or by the hand of others, is temporary. It's fleeting in the light of eternity. It's like that dentist appointment that you dread, and and then in a moment, you're on the other side of it, and you're like, oh, it's finished, right? It's finished. Every believer in Christ will have an, oh, it's, it's finished moment with suffering <laughs> when we enter heaven one day. And Peter encourages us that we should see suffering as fleeting, as momentary, as temporary. Also, number two, we should see it as fruitful, that it produces fruit in me. God has a way of working through suffering to bring about a greater good. It says in Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. I mean, look at the cross, suffering that was fruitful. Whether or not your temporal suffering is fruitful is largely based upon your trust in God in the midst of it all. I mean, you have Jesus in you. You have a superpower in the midst of suffering. And you will see God work all sorts of good out of times of suffering and trial and difficulty. He doesn't waste your tears. Peter says we should view suffering as fleeting. We should also view it as fruitful. And also, number three, the mature Christian should view suffering as fellowship. You know, there is a fellowship that happens in suffering. This is why we have things like support groups. And, you know, there's a kinship that happens when people have shared sufferings. There's a kinship with Christ that happens in our suffering because he suffered as well. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Philippians 3. He talks about how how I want to know Christ and share in his sufferings. You know, there's a a unique closeness that happens with God in the midst of suffering. I know Maria and I, uh, we, we had a miscarriage in our first pregnancy. And I remember going through that difficult situation. It, it, it wasn't an early miscarriage. It was, I think we found out at, well, I guess it was early in the scheme of things, but we found out at, at 13 weeks. Um, we didn't know. We, we, went, we went into our first ultrasound with text messages written up, ready to share with the world our first baby, and, and within about 30 seconds, it ended up being the worst day of our life. Uh, we, then we were whisked away, and Maria had surgery, and it was it was a whirlwind of suffering. And I remember in that time, I didn't really feel doubt, to be honest. I, I felt anger, confusion. But looking back now, I, I remember feeling a great sense of closeness with Jesus that I'd never really experienced before it a closeness with him. You know, there is a depth in my connection with Jesus in times of suffering. 
It's like when I am rendered useless and empty and weak and broken, I'm even more dependent on God. doesn't mean I long for suffering, (laughs) but I tell you, God makes use of these difficult situations and brings about fruit and fellowship with him. So suffering should be viewed as fleeting, fruitful, and fellowship. And lastly, it should be viewed as a help to flee from sin. There's the, the word flee. It should be fleeing. <laughs> Peter says what we just read in 1 Peter chapter 4, but let's read from verse 2. It says, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. It says, you have had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Verse four, of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. Verse five, but remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. In these verses, Peter is largely referring to suffering from persecution, right? Uh, But there is a perspective shift that happens in the midst of suffering. And some of you are maybe even in the middle of it right now. You know, our suffering helps us not be wasteful or destructive. It brings things in perspective, right? It reminds us that we are not God, that we are temporal. We are but a breath. It says in Psalm 39, talks about this, verse 4 to 5. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is but a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. So in my times of suffering, I'm reminded that I am not God. (laughs) I am his. He is God. He is the king. So I hope you can see today that suffering and evil, that as a Christian, we have answers and hope that we can view suffering as fleeting, fruitful fellowship, and it helps me flee from sin. It's it's definitely a, a tension belief, a tension where we must trust God. The greatest comfort we can find in the midst of suffering is that Jesus is there with us. Jesus is there with us. Now, we don't have all the time to go through all the intricacies of of suffering. I wanted wanted to encourage us to find Jesus in the midst of this. We're trying to keep to our rules of (laughs) when wrestling an elephant. And that is, hey, we, we want to find Jesus in this. Do you know where Jesus is in suffering? He's with you. He's with you. He's walking alongside you. He's with you in the fire. He's there with you. He doesn't leave you nor forsake you. In fact, he endured suffering himself. So he knows very well what it's like to uh, to sit in the seat of suffering. Horatio Spafford, who was an American lawyer and hymnist, he endured some pretty serious suffering. Uh, uh, Actually, an amazing story, his life. And you know, he was ruined financially with when the great Chicago fire in 1871 burned his investment properties and and there was an economic downturn around that time. And he had planned to travel to England with his family by boat to help 
with D.L. Moody's upcoming evangelistic campaign. So in a late change of plans because of the, the Chicago fire and stuff like that and his financial situation, he sent his family ahead as he hung back to deal with these financial issues. And while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship that had his family on it sank rapidly after a collision with a sea vessel and all four of Spafford's daughters died and his wife, Anna, uh, sent him a famous telegram that said, Saved Alone. Now, shortly afterwards, Spafford traveled to meet his grieving wife and he was inspired to write some words as his ship passed near where his daughters had died. And they, they later became the words of the famous hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. He writes this, he writes, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Are you suffering today? Jesus knows all about suffering. And he is with you in the midst of it. In fact, you can experience his peace. You can experience his peace to the point where you can say, it is well with my soul. Come on. You are not alone in your time of suffering. And guess what? If you're part of the body of Christ, others are with you too. There is a kinship when we do life together that we can support one another through tough times. Amen. Can I pray for you? Lord, I pray for every person that's listening today, particularly those who are in moments of suffering or have questioned this difficult topic. Lord, we come to you. We trust you. I thank you that you endured suffering yourself for the greater good of saving us. And we just commit all of our temporal struggles to you. Help us see things in the light of eternity. And I thank you that one day, because of what you did for us, Jesus, because of the suffering you endured and your great love, we will enter heaven and we will live without suffering for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey. Elephant number one is some, somewhat tackled. <laughs> if you want to engage in this conversation a bit more, hey, I'd love to get a coffee. Maria would too. Uh, let's endure this together and journey, and journey with this together. Next week, we're tackling another elephant, and that is the elephant of end times. Uh, maybe you never think about end times. Uh, maybe you uh, have thought about it in the past. Maybe it worries you. Maybe you were raised under teaching that filled you with fear and worry well we're going to go there next week i hope you're enjoying this series so far hey get to church it's so much better to be in the room and experience going through these difficult topics together with the family of god have a great great week